Welcome to Season 11.5 of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme during this Spotlight series is Heart Defects Around the Globe, and we have a great show for you today. Today's program is entitled A Dutch Mother's Experience with Congenital Heart Defects, and our guest is Pien Weitmans. Filipina Weitmans, Pien for short, is the mother of three children, Rinsky, Sven, and Kyle. Pien grew up in the Netherlands, where she went to college to study creative art therapy. She worked in group homes with emotionally troubled teenagers and then moved to the U.S. when her husband got a job in a U.S. hospital. Kyle was born with a congenital heart defect. A year later, Peen divorced and raised the children on her own. Peen worked teaching kinder music classes and worked in a children's Montessori school. She ran a home-based child care center and volunteers in libraries conducting story times. Peen will be sharing with us in the first segment about how she grew up in the Netherlands and how she came to the United States. In segment two of the program, Peen will tell us about her son, Kyle. And in the final segment, Peen will give us advice for other people moving to the United States if they have a child with a congenital heart defect. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Peen. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I hope I can be of help. Oh, well, I'm just so excited to talk to you about your experience with the Netherlands. So why don't you tell us what it was like growing up in the Netherlands? I think lots of things were kind of similar to here. It's a modern country, um, just like here. Uh, I grew up in small towns around the city of Eindhoven, where my dad always said he didn't go to work. He went to go play (laughs) for work, but I wasn't called working. He was playing in center for a large electronics company. Ah. And my mom was a kindergarten teacher. We had quite a creative home. Um, my dad was very involved, which you see in the Netherlands way more. The dads are way more involved in raising the family, being there with the kids, doing the things with the kids than you see here in the United States. Here is many times that dads don't take off for school plays or... They think it's normal to have a late meeting and not come home for dinner. In the Netherlands, that's not the case. Really? Well, it's quite different there, isn't it? Is it true that in the Netherlands also the mothers are paid a stipend for the first year after they have a baby so they can stay home with their babies? No, that's more in Scandinavia. Uh, In the Netherlands, well, when I grew up, it was the father just had two days. But now it's like, Mothers and dads both have, uh, I think, moms three months, and dads have like 48 days in total over the first year that they can take off to take care of a newborn baby. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. When I had my babies here in the United States, I missed having family and dad home to take care of the kids with me. You're just all by yourself. Yes. It can be very isolating. Yes. Well, and then in the Netherlands, of course, you had your mother and your father, and they must have been tickled pink to have grandchildren to help take care of. Yes, but my kids, just my mom and dad's kids, they were born in the United States. So they came over for a couple of weeks at a time, or we went there for a couple of weeks at a time, but not the daily involvement. Right. So all of your children were were born born here. here. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, yes, Yes. it was very different for you. Well, with your mother being Mm -hmm. a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, that explains why you are interested in the kinder music and in the Montessori program as well. Did you grow up just hearing about that and learning about that from your mother? 
No, that was actually for my ex-husband's grandma and grandpa. They were both in Amsterdam involved in Montessori. They were both Montessori teachers. And then my oldest daughter, as a little kid, she had ADHD and dyslexia. And we found out that Montessori just worked wonders for that. Mm-hmm. And when my college degree was not recognized here, I decided just to do things I could do. And getting a Montessori degree for kids through six years, I could do without having my college degree or doing uh, the high school equivalent for here again, because I didn't feel like doing that. Well, that's understandable. So I did the Montessori and the kinder music and all those certificates that you can do without having to have the official American degrees. Okay. And then that just led naturally into you doing creative art therapy, it sounds like. I was very much into... uh, All kinds of crafting, knitting, crochet, spinning, macrame, pottery, all that kind of stuff. I was reading. um, I like to work with wood. I made like the dollhouses for my sisters. I like working with my hands. So from there, it was kind of logical that I went to creative therapy because I was not much of a talker. And I realized I am just normally intelligent and I have problems with talking, even though I don't have any problems in my brain or anywhere, then there must be people having problems talking to a therapist and maybe it's way easier to do that in a creative way. Well, I love it. So you have the music. The creative therapy through the arts and the music and the arts. Yeah. I love that. And unfortunately, that's an area that in a lot of the modern schools here in the United States, those are the programs that get cut. And (laughs) I don't know why, because those tend to be more holistic activities that use the whole Mm -hmm. brain and that will appeal to children of all ability levels. So I imagine that was very helpful for you to have that kind of experience. And you probably did a lot of fun activities Mm -hmm. with your children. I did. I did. I did. But then my boys, they were not much into crafting, neither of them. They liked music. They did a lot of music. But just the arts and crafts, that was just with my daughter. My boys were not interested. Huh. So, yeah. It is That's It is so just, different with boys and girls. Everyone's different. Yes, it's so everyone's different. Everyone's <laughs> different. Yes, yes. Well, tell us about your transition yeah. to the United States from the Netherlands, because my friend Cora, who you will be talking to later, is also from the Netherlands. And I know that there was quite a transition for her to come to here. So I'm curious to hear about your transition from the Netherlands to the United States. Uh, yes, I came here for my husband's job, and I actually didn't know anybody. I did not have a job. I could not have a job. I didn't have a work permit in the beginning. That took a year or two. So I was kind of alone at home. We found a small house. What I noticed, though, that everybody, all my husband's colleagues, were extremely helpful in settling us in, showing us around, helping us with setting up everything That was really amazing how helpful this were. What I also noticed is if you're at home without a car, because as a starting family in the United States, we had a one car, not two cars. Mm -hmm. Public transportation was a mess or (laughs) non-existing. Yep, yep, I I can agree. I agree with that 100%. (laughs) One of the first things I bought was an American slang dictionary because that Oxford English didn't bring me for that from my high school. So that was kind of different too. I noticed also that creative therapy was totally unknown 
at that time here in the United States. They did not know what it was. It was not used. I know the last five to ten years has gotten really popular here, but what is it, 31 years ago, nobody knew what it was. So if I was t- talking about what I did and my former jobs, they were all looking at me from what she talking about. <laughs> you are and a trailblazer here yeah. in the United States. How do you like that? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Before the break, Peen, we were talking about what it was like for you to grow up and live in the Netherlands a little bit. I bet we could do a whole show just on that. But it was fun to find out a little bit about some of the differences between the Netherlands and the United States. But now I want to talk about your son, Kyle. And I specifically would like you to start by telling us about your pregnancy with Kyle and his birth. Uh, Yeah, Kyle was my third baby. And the pregnancy was extremely normal. So there were no weird things with my daughter. I had all kinds of weird things, but this was a normal pregnancy. He was full term. Um, I, he was due May 10th and born May 11th. So regretfully, it was missed on the ultrasound that there was a heart problem. So they never weighed him when he was born because they took him away and they didn't take the time for that. But they guesstimated he was about an eight pound baby. Oh, wow. That's a big boy. Yeah. As long as he used my system. There was nothing wrong with him. Right. So not until he was born, he turned blue. He was born after a very short labor. Okay. Uh, the water broke in the elevator of the hospital, and I was buried in a bed when he was born. Oh, my that gosh. quite different. My daughter took. Wow. Yes, my, my oldest one took, like, almost 24 hours with six hours of pushing. And, yeah, it was very fast. And, wow. And everything looked healthy, but within a minute, he was turning blue. Wow. That must have been terrifying. It was, especially since they kept saying, oh, it's just mucus. Oh, it's just that. Let's see. And then they went away and didn't say anything to me. My husband and the baby went to another area, and I was just waiting there for what's going on, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then it turned out his oxygen saturation was about 17% of what it should be. So that's quite low. 
Yes, yes. Yes. So how old was he when he had his first surgery? Uh, he was 10 days old. Yeah. The the general hospital where he was born, they could not figure out what was wrong. We, besides putting him in oxygen and clean out his airways, didn't do anything else. And then my ex-husband, husband at that time, he kind of told him from, okay, if I'm going to sue you if you don't call a transport team from the local children's hospital. So that's what was done. The transport team was called and they knew right away it was wrong. And when he was five hours old, he was brought to the children's hospital. And as soon as he got there, he went to the surgery room and they opened up a hole. They made a hole in between his heart chambers. Did they do that in a cath lab or did they have to do that open heart? No, they did that in the cath lab. Okay. And they made a hole in between the heart chambers. Now, did he suffer because of the cyanosis for five hours? Did his brain have any problems? Well, at first they thought not. At first they thought it was okay. He was going to be okay because all the signs after were coming back to normal. Uh, Later on, he has neurological problems which did not start showing up until he was in second grade. Wow. So they blame those more now on being on the heart-lung machine for so long while he was this young. Mm. And the latest, latest couple of years, there's been a lot of research coming out about kids that have been on the heart-lung machine as a baby, had open-heart surgery, and having neurological problems, similar like Kyle's. Right. Now, how long was he on the heart-lung machine, do you know? It was about eight hours. Yes, yeah, so that's quite a long time, I think. Yeah, that's a long surgery. Yeah, it's a long surgery. They did the arterial switch surgery, 10 days old. But it was amazing how fast after surgery he turned pink and not blue anymore and how fast he recovered. Mm -hmm. Like a week after surgery, he could go home. That's fabulous. It probably helped that he was an eight-pound baby. So he was a big, healthy size Mm -hmm. to start with, which is really, really Mm -hmm. helpful. And... It's amazing to me that your husband was such a strong advocate from the very beginning and said, look, I mean, wow, he knew this baby is not in the right hospital. We have to get him out of here. Yeah, that's because he was a physical therapist and he had worked in hospitals before. And he had had heart patients, grown-ups, adults, but he had worked with heart patients as a physical therapist. So that that helped, yes, because the local hospital was kind of like, seems like giving him up. So they transported the baby, but you had just given birth. Yes. Were you in a separate right. hospital from your son for that first day? Kyle was born in the evening, and it was like past midnight by the time he was transported. And I was put in a room, and nobody ever came to me in that room. I think all those new nurses, young nurses, didn't know what to do from going, what do you tell a mom whose baby is critical and what does you don't know what to say, so they just didn't come. So on the nine the next morning when my own OB came by, I just checked out and went to Kyle and go see Kyle. Oh my gosh, you had to spend the entire night not knowing what was going on with your baby? Yeah, I wish I had a cell phone at that time, but oh, it's right. so long ago. We didn't have cell phones. That's true. We didn't have cell phones oh, at that time. Oh, you poor thing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, and also nobody checked on me. From I know from my older two, they checked how the placenta was and all that kind of things. Luckily, I knew I was fine. If he would have been my first one, I would have not have known what to do. Right, Luckily, right. he was my third one. I had two pregnancies and deliveries before, and I knew from things were okay, but, yeah, 
I just checked out the next morning when my OB come and no nurse ever checked on me. You poor thing. That is just so wrong. So anybody who's listening today, do not let this happen to anyone else in your family. No. How isolated you must have felt. Yeah, I think those young nurses out labor delivery are not taught from how to deal with a mom whose kid is critical. And I think they just try to avoid that. And everybody thought the other nurse will do it. That's my theory. Wow. And I guess your husband did not room in with you because back then that just wasn't done either. No, he went to the children's hospital with the baby. Sure. Sure. And he didn't come back and say, hey, sweetheart, I have to go with the baby. The baby's not well. He just left. He probably had to just leave because he was probably signing all the paperwork, getting everything set up. And then they said, we're ready to go. And I bet he didn't even have a minute to come back and say anything to you. No, he stayed there. He stayed there with the baby. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was quite a while ago. Tell us again how old your son is. He is 23. He'll be 24 next week. Okay. So, yes, he's the sweetest boy ever, which is the most important thing. Yes. Now, tell us about what other conditions he's had to deal with since he had his arterial switch operation. Well, as far as the heart problems, because pulmonary artery is not growing and widening as he grows because they switch that around and it's like like a tube, if you pull it, it kind of flattens. So at first, as a little kid, he had angioplasties in the cath lab quite often. Then mm. they ballooned up the arteries. And then when he had was seven, he had three stents put in those arteries. Okay. As Kyle grew, those stents were stretched out and that was all done in the cath lab. They done it like four or five times. When he was 19, one of the stents collapsed and we caught that quite quickly. Because one thing, he was pale, and I remembered, well, it's about the same time his yearly checkup's coming up. Let's just go now and not wait another two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, Then in the cath lab, they managed to put new stents over the old stents because they cannot take the stents out without opening him up Mm -hmm. and and putting new stents in that can be done in the cath lab. So they placed new stents over the old stents and... uh, yeah, since then he's been doing fine. I mean, he, he wear, tires out a little faster and gets a little paler than most kids, but that's about it heart-wise. Isn't it amazing how they can put new stents over the old stents and they don't have to open him up? They're able to do all of this in a cath lab. They did, yes, yes. I just think that's a yeah, they told they told us they cannot, yeah, they just told us they could not take the old ones out without opening them up. So that's why they just encapsulated those old ones with the new ones. Amazing. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael, please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody 
To get your own origami owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, fancydancyme.origamiowl.com. Peen was just telling us about Kyle's congenital heart defect and his amazing surgeries that he's been able to have doing what's known as a process called interventional cardiology, where instead of having to open the chest and actually do open heart surgery, surgeons are able to take care of so many conditions in the catheterization lab. She has also been telling us about some of the other things that Kyle has had to endure, such as some neurological problems. In this segment, we're going to talk to her about what advice she has for other people moving to the United States who have children with medical needs. So I know that the Netherlands has socialized medicine. Peen, how is the approach to medical care in the Netherlands different from the care that is provided here in the United States? In the Netherlands, at about everybody will be able to acquire some kind of health insurance. It's not 100% socialized, but everybody has a way to afford and can get health insurance. Here, I worry about Kyle's insurance all the time because my income's low. I don't qualify for Obamacare. I would not have that problem in the Netherlands. The level of care in the Netherlands is very similar to here. The main difference is that here, many times, the insurance company decides what the treatment can be and what you can afford and what you're allowed to do. Well, in the Netherlands, that's clearly you and your doctor who decide what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But that's quite a big difference, I think. Oh, I think so, too. Here, there's a lot of procedures. You need to get permission from your insurance company to have it done, mm-hmm. to get it paid for. Mm-hmm. In the Netherlands, if you and your doctor decide that this is needed, then that is going to happen, and the insurance will pay for it. And that's not always here in the United States. Right, right. In the United States, it's many times that the insurance company says, well, no, we cannot do that, but it's not allowed. We won't pay for this. Um, it doesn't happen in the Netherlands. But have you had any problems with Kyle getting the care that he needed? It sounds like he's had multiple stents procedures and catheterizations. It doesn't sound like he's been denied anything. He hasn't been denied anything, no, luckily. I know from other people who have been, but uh, Carl has been fine as far with that um, so far. But I know when Carl is 26, he will not have any more health insurance. Well, so in Virginia. He won't have health insurance with you, but if he has a job, he will be able to get health insurance, right? He doesn't have a job because he has anxiety problems. I wish he had a job, but. It's really hard to find a job when you have really big anxiety issues and social problems. His IQ is normal, but he has neurological problems. And when he's 26, because Virginia is a gap state, we have to move or out of state, which I'm considering because I have my daughter in Massachusetts, where he will be able to get insurance. Well, he should qualify for Social Security. Is he on Social Security right now? No, he's just on nothing right now because they're all saying from no it's not Asperger's no it's not ADD it's no it's not that so you don't qualify for any of the normal things but we're still working on that so, and, and I know in analysis this would not happen right right it sounds like it's very different it seems to me you may need to take him to a facility like Boston Children's Hospital which happens to be in Massachusetts where they mm-hmm. have programs specifically for adults with congenital heart disease where they might be able to give a better diagnosis 
and he may then qualify for Social Security because they'll be used to seeing people his age who had possibly mm-hmm. neurological problems that were never diagnosed, therefore they were never mm-hmm. treated. And mm-hmm. I would like to suggest that you consider yeah. contacting somebody there, especially mm-hmm. if you're moving to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. That might take care of some of these concerns that you have. But it's interesting oh, yeah. that in the Netherlands, that wouldn't even be an issue for you. No, it wouldn't be. No, but things are going okay for the rest here. It's just that Virginia has a gap state, which is annoying. And Massachusetts, it's not. And my daughter's there. But Carl has been diagnosed, but he has been misdiagnosed with Asperger's, with ADD, with other conditions that were not right. He did not have those conditions, but it looked like it. It seemed like it because nobody really knew about the neurological problems from cardio causes, which has been coming out the last couple of years a lot. The research has right, improved right. a lot. The new research. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been great. I've been following that and that's been yeah. fantastic. Right, right. Now do you have friends in the Netherlands who have children with heart defects? No. My mom knew somebody whose granddaughter had similar problems. I've never met them, but they did similar things as they did with my son. Let's see. I had a cousin who was 10 years older than me, and I know she lost a baby due to a heart defect right soon after birth. And But that was in 1975, so that's a long time ago. But that was also a similar heart condition right. that Kyle had. And uh, but I know she never had a support group besides friends or family or because it's, yeah, it is so rare. Mm-hmm. Right, right. especially in the 70s. There just wasn't very much. Do you belong to support groups here in the United States? Right now, I only belong to that the Heart Moms group at, on Facebook, um, mainly because I thought my experience might help moms who are going through the same problem right now. Mm-hmm. I can help them. They come with a question, and I have been through the same. I can encourage and tell them, hey, my son's 23. He got through it. It works. When Kyle was born, I did not really have any support programs. There was nothing really out there here in the area. I know right now the Children's Hospital has a program that's called here in the local area that's called the CHKD, Children's Hospital here in the area in Norfolk. They have a program called HUGS, mm-hmm. which is a support program for parents with kids have heart problems. So now they have that. At that time, there wasn't much out there. Right, right. I agree. My son is also 23. My son with the congenital heart defect is also 23. And I agree. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. They didn't do any neuro testing. I knew he had a stroke after his second open heart surgery, but nothing was mm-hmm. done about that. And when I talked to the doctors, they said, you're so lucky that he's alive. <laughs> they didn't want me to complain about anything else mm-hmm. that was going on. And I ended up homeschooling my son and doing intensive therapy, although I just called it play. But mm-hmm. I had to do what I could to help him because the hospitals were not equipped 23 years ago to deal with babies mm-hmm. like that. No. I think that Kyle is very lucky with all of your art therapy and music therapy and Montessori training that you were in a unique position to help him, even though the hospitals at that time weren't ready to help him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really helped. Having worked with kids that had emotional problems before, I've worked with schizophrenic patients before, it really helped in the way you can confront cause problems. It's not right away an anxiety or, or that I worry from 
well, I worry. Of course you worry, but that I think that I get upset because I don't know what to do or no, you have ideas from the, I can try this, I can go this, I can do this way. And it really helps. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what advice you have for families in the Netherlands who might be moving to the United States and have children with congenital heart defects. I would strongly advise them to go live near a children's hospital that has a good pediatric cardiology department. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, I have been so happy that I had a children's hospital at about like a half an hour drive from where I live. Mm -hmm. You hear from other parents who have to move, leave the other kids home, find grandmas and grandpas to babysit. It is really hard if you live far away from a children's hospital. Yeah. And you have to organize all that and split up your family. And so that would be really research where the good pediatric hospitals, cardiology hospitals are, and go live near that. Excellent advice. Yeah. Also, if possible, check if you can keep your Dutch health insurance. Uh, They are usually way more flexible. And I also would tell them that most children's hospitals here have someone available who can guide you through the insurance and payment methods. There is somebody there, but they many times they forget to tell you, but there is somebody there who's specifically there to help you through that mess and tell you how to do the insurance, where to file it, what help is there. Right. Usually a social worker will help you with that. They never told me. Luckily, at that time, my husband had a good insurance, but nothing was told me. Other parents told me from, they never told me there's somebody there who can help you with that. Wow. So... Just you will let them know that there is somebody who's there to help. In every hospital, there is somebody who can help you. And they can also help you with support groups, mm-hmm. the same person. So I just want to let them know that they know that. That's great. That's great advice. That's absolutely great advice that you don't have to be all alone as you're going through this. Because I'm sure it's scary going to another country and having to deal with this. Definitely. Yeah. And I think I have been so glad that we live close to a great children's hospital. It's been a blessing. It is so helpful if you compare it to other people who were further away. Absolutely. Well, it's been a blessing to me to have you on the show today, Peen. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I hope somebody will be helped by this. Me too. I'm sure somebody will. Then that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today, friends. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. And until then, please follow our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, on iTunes. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.